Well, good morning again. I have a question for you. Why are you here today? <laughs> we're here to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're here to study the inerrant, infallible Word of the living God. And if you would, in your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 23, 13 through 24. And we're going to learn today eight things that guarantees God's anger. Oh, yes. God, Jesus is going to be dealing with the Pharisees. So if you would, please stand as we read the Word of God together. We honor God by standing when we read His Word. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one convert, one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, oh, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold of the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar does nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar, he's obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. This is the word of God. Our Father, we give you thanks for this time to study your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you teach us things today that we need to hear. I know that each person here will receive something from you today special for them because that is what you do as our God. You touch us in our area of need. Open our eyes to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. Now, let me say that again, because most of you were not listening, because I say this every week. But Jesus is the promised king. Now, this is going to be important to you as you're going through this life, and you're living through the messes of life, and you're going through the difficulties of life, that one of these days, this will all be over, and everything will be right, as when the king will come and rule and reign on this earth. Folks, the king is coming, and things are going to get better. And in, in the between time, we're enduring this thing called life on earth with all its ups and downs and that sort of thing. So uh, this week, Jesus is going to give a scathing rebuke to the Pharisees. And next week also, this is part one of this talk. La last time we talked about things that the Pharisees do, and this is just a review. They love to lay on heavy burdens, heavy burdens on people, weighing them down. The slide will come up on the screen. Just picture this. You're carrying this load, and instead of the Pharisees helping you lift your load, they jump on your back and make the whole thing much worse. They love to keep adding on, adding on, adding on. Now, Jesus' way is to help those who are carrying a load, but 
not enabling those who have gotten themselves into a situation that God is actually dealing with them. So you have to be very discerning when you get in and help people because you might be rescuing somebody from something that they have to go through in order to get back right with God. But if everyone, everyone is to carry their own load in Galatians 6, 5. But I have a slide here, and I think this is a good slide in that there's always need for help. Man, when, there's sometimes life throws things at you that are too heavy for any human to endure. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, you know what the law of Christ is because you've been here for the last couple of weeks, and we've talked about the law of Christ. That will come up on the screen. A new command I give you, Jesus told his disciple, that you love one another. Love one another. In this way, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That love is agape love, self-sacrificing love, a love that does what is best for someone, not necessarily what they want. That's what real love is, agape love. Then the Pharisees did this. They loved the limelight. They loved to be in the midst of everything. They loved to have all the accolades of the people. And they would say long religious prayers, and they would wear their prayer shawls with these long tassels that just gave them all kinds of pride. And they had these things wrapped on their arms, and they had phylacteries on their heads. And we talked about that last time. The slide's going to come up of these guys. This is the... This is the tassels, and they would make these long to show how great and wonderful, how religious I am. And then they had the phylacteries on their foreheads. They had these bindings on their arms that binds their minds to God. They had a good idea here. The Word of God is close to their minds. But they made these so large that some of them had a hard time holding their heads up because they were just wanted the people to know how religious they were, how religious they were. Another thing the Pharisees did, they craved titles. Rabbi, teacher, extol me by the titles. Another thing they did was they were legalists. They kept laying on more and more commands to the already existing 613 commands that the Jewish people had. Now, you try to memorize 613 commands. You're not going to get these all right. And, you're supposed to, and then they add on to those commands their interpretation of more that you ought to do. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 says this, You shall not add... To the word which I've commanded you, nor take away from it. I have a question for you. We went through last week about the commandments and, and how the church and how we are to deal with the commandments of God. Remember, the commandments do not save you. The commandments simply reveal to you that you need a Savior, that you are utterly, hopelessly lost. You cannot keep the commands of God. The Ten Commandments are perfect. We're not. We need a Savior to save us from our sins. And we realize that there are three things that when we keep the commands of God that it demonstrates. It demonstrates, number one, that we love God, that we love God, 1 John 5, 3. Secondly, it demonstrates that we know God. I want to be under the constraints of God. I want to obey his commands. And thirdly, I believe it demonstrates loyalty to God over all these foreign gods that are coming into our culture. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of what he has commanded, and I am not going to follow the patterns of the gods of this world. And I'm letting everybody know that my fidelity is to my real, true God. And I want to obey his commands. And by the way, when you get into the millennium, you will be obeying the commands of God. There's not any equivocating here, okay? Now remember, God's commands, he's, not, he's just not trying to ruin your life. 
His commands nurture and provide for, provide for and protect his people. Adam and Eve had one prohibition, one prohibition that was not either the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They couldn't even do that. Can you imagine trying to keep 613 of these things that you ought to do? Impossible to do. Impossible to do. The law can, can only condemn. It cannot save. Folks, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. God is not a killjoy. He's not trying to ruin your life by giving you these commands. He's trying to provide for you and protect you. God does disdain the Pharisees' hypocrisies. Now, this week, eight ways to guarantee God's anger, starting in verse 13. Those believe, this is a huge one. Those who keep people from Jesus absolutely guarantee his anger. But woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. First of all, what is a hypocrite? He's going to mention it many times here, so we might as well get this down. What is a hypocrite? Well, as someone who is wearing, is a, wearing a mask, it's a mask wearer, it's a phony it's a phony. It's a make-believer. Jesus disdained the Pharisee hypocrites. He disdains this phony religious stuff that people do. They have no relationship with God. Matthew chapter 15, 8, Jesus hit the Pharisees right between the eyes early in his ministry. He says this, they draw near to me with their mouth, lip service, draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. Now, how do we extrapolate this into our day to today? Now, listen to this. Titus chapter 1, verse 16 has an incredible verse that is extremely important for us to grab hold of. Many people believe they're in the family of God, but their life does not demonstrate it at all, zero. Now, watch what he says here. They profess to know God. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. But by their works, their lives, they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and main thing here, disqualified, a docimos, not genuine, for every good work. A hypocrite is saying one thing and doing something else. Now, what is a woe? You got hypocrites and lots of woes here. Lots of woes. It's a strong expression of condemnation. There is a serious woe to anyone, anyone, anyone who shuts up the kingdom of heaven from another person, tries to lead them astray, lead them into a false belief system. Serious woe. And I want, to, I want you to also realize how easily influenced the human mind is. You have so many inputs today, mainly from YouTube and Internet sources that are drawing you away from the real God and drawing you down the primrose path of destruction. Be very careful what you listen to, folks. Pharisees were keeping people from Jesus. This absolutely guarantees the anger of God. Secondly, verse 14, those who exploit widows guarantees the anger of God. We read, woe, condemnation to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, just take a pause here. Jesus is saying this not to a small group of scribes and Pharisees. This is Passover week. It is Tuesday of Jesus' last week on earth. He dies on Friday, on, on Good Friday, 
and he's in the temple area, and there's literally thousands of people hearing this scathing rebuke of the Pharisees. Thousands of them. There's all kinds of Pharisees there that wanted to pounce on Jesus. Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, that sort of thing. So, widows. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. You're looking very religious. Therefore, you receive greater condemnation. That tells me that there's levels of condemnation. I think there's levels of condemnation in hell, levels of separation from God. We've been through this teaching before. I'm not going to get into it now, but there's many scriptures that indicate this. There's, with greater knowledge comes greater responsibility. Widows. The Pharisees would rob the widows blind, built the widows out of their assets, exploited the widows. With, and then they made these grandiose prayers. It was all done for the purpose of religious activity. And we're very religious. Now, I ask you a question. Does this sound familiar to you today? Have you ever heard of someone saying, send me your seed money? Okay, this is, this, is, this is something that happens very commonly, particularly on the TV pastors, TV ministers, and that sort of thing. And if you send me your seed money, then God's going to give you back many, many, many times over. And that's the promise that is given. And then they add this, not only seed money, but ever hear about prayer cloths anointing oil, other objects, any gimmick to extract money from the poor. Now, where they are getting this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It talks about reaping and sowing. Let me read the verse to you, and let me try to give you a, a proper view of this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is a promise that's going to be given to those who give. This is a true promise. And he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let, and this is the key, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not coerced by someone else to get back many times over what you're giving. That is not the reason that you do this. As you purpose in your heart yourself, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what we call this in the New Testament? We call this spirit-led giving. As God speaks to your heart, we are to give to him. And I can guarantee you, I'm not saying you're going to get tenfold, fiftyfold, send me your seed money or anything like that. But I believe with all of my heart that if you give to God, he takes care of you. And he takes care of you wonderfully. If your heart is right, he will take care of you. But we give out of a love for God. Not to get back a windfall. So don't exploit widows. God, this guarantees God's anger. How about the next one, verse 15? Pharisees who, who win over another to their ways. This guarantees God's anger. Verse 15, woe to you again, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, one convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. They win over people to this false religious system, and they are condemned because they've embraced this. You make them twice as much the son of hell. Now, I want you to think of a couple groups today 
that are very common than when you're thinking about this sort of thing. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. We believe that they're cults. Why do we believe they're cults? They do not believe in the deity of Christ. They do not believe that Jesus is God. All cults in all world religions deny that Jesus Christ is God. So that's how you delineate this. Now, they're very nice looking. They're very nice, nice people and that sort of thing. But they are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. They're sincerely wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the archangel. He's a created being. That's wrong. But it gets even worse with the Mormons. And these guys really look sharp. They always have their white shirt on. They got their bicycles and they're riding around. They look so nice and wonderful, but they've been deceived. They've been deceived. And they believe that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer, Satan. That's an amazing thing to me. Make you much more condemned. Deception can look good, sound good, smell good, but it's still deception. It's rotten to the core. More and more so-called churches today are embracing these tenets of other religions. Some of them are embracing the Muslim Jesus. Do you know that in, in Islam, in, in, there's, there's a Jesus that is mentioned, but he's a prophet. He's a prophet that is second to Muhammad. He's not God. He's a human. He's a prophet, second to Muhammad. So they do revere him, but not as the son of God. Those who convert someone to a false religious system guarantees unequivocally God's anger. Now, I want to take a little sidelight from here. And I want to talk to you about something that is happening in our nation today and in the Western world in particular today. There are many mass defections today from Christianity. We call them exvangelicals. Empty the pew people. This is, this is John MacArthur quote, actually. There are many deconverting and influencing others to deconvert. The Internet is full of people. Absolutely full of people that are have deconverted. Many, many musicians, Christian musicians, are very vociferous about their deconverting experience. How they're getting set free from Christianity. Now, my question is this: why the deconversions? There's never been a time in the history of Christendom, 2,000 years, that there's been this mass defection from the faith. See, the internet's and it's influenced people. The gods of this world have come in and influenced people to their way of thinking. When I say the gods of this world, when you stop believing in the true God, you open Pandora's box, you open the gateway to every Hindu God, Muslim God, Buddhist God, any world religion God to come into your country and influence your people. That is what is happening today. You have the atheist God that has come into the country. More and more Christians are now atheists, don't believe in anything, don't believe in anything. Why the deconversions? Soft Western Christianity has produced a rash of false converts. People do not know the Word of God. People have not been truly born again of the Spirit, where the Spirit of God comes and dwells within your heart, and you know that you know that you know that this whole thing is true all the way to people dying for their faith, dying in droves for their faith in many places in the world. And you know today, because you've been told, that today in the, two, in the, in the, in the, year, in the 2020th century, 
More people are being killed today than any time in the history of the world for being a Christian, giving up their lives. Why does somebody do that? They think this is a fairy tale? No, they believe this is true, and they believe it with all of their heart, that they have a responsibility to their God to not recant and fall away. And I would suggest, don't be shocked. Scripture warns us that this will happen. This will happen prior to Christ's return. Hasn't happened any other time in the history of Christendom until now. Why is it happening now? Because we're on the precipice of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called the departure from the faith. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Now, in this verse, you're going to see the word departure is apostasia. It's the apostasy. It is the falling away. Zadiades calls it this. It's a defection from the truth, a rejection of Christ having never been truly in the faith, never truly been in the faith. It's the seed that sets on the stony soil that gets rooted very shallowly, and then the first thing that comes along, they get uprooted and they're gone. That's the, that's the stony soil, folks. That's the stony soil believer. Looked like they were genuine, smelled like they were genuine, but they were not genuine. Watch what the Scripture says. Let no one deceive you by any means. That means there's going to be a lot of means. Any means. For that day will not come. What is the day? That's the day of the Lord. That's when Jesus comes back. It's actually the tribulation period culminating with the second coming of Christ. That day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasia comes first and the man of sin is revealed. Folks, I want you to know today that you are living in the seventh church of the book of Revelation. You are living in the Laodicean church age where they were rich, had everything, thought they were great and wonderful, and Jesus said, you're wretched, blind, poor, naked. You're not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. What is the next thing? 16 through 22, he talks about oaths guaranteeing God's anger. Woe to you, blind guides, who say whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. See, the, the Pharisees are making up their own rules. If you swear by the temple, it's nothing. Oh, but if you swear by the gold in the temple, oh, then you got to keep your word. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he's obliged to perform it. And then Jesus says straight to their face. He doesn't pull back anything. Fools and blind. You know what the Greek word for fools is? Moros. It's where we get our word moron. Silly. Stupid. And again, he's saying this in front of thousands of people that have been controlled by the Pharisees all of their lives. And he's calling them silly, stupid, morons. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, they had another one, is nothing. But whoever swears by, oh, the gift or the gold in the altar, you're going to have to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies it? And then he's going to clarify here. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. In other words, you can't qualify your oath. You can't qualify your vow. This is a fake vow. This is a real vow. You make a vow, you keep your vow. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits on it. So, this has everything to do with oaths. There is no such thing as a phony oath or vow. 
If you vow, it is binding. If you vow, it is binding. If you make a marriage vow, it is binding. If you make a promise to God, it is binding. It doesn't matter. They were swearing by the temple. I swear by the temple, the gold in the temple. I swear by the gift on the altar. I mean, I'm going to really do this one. What do we say? I swear on a stack of Bibles. That I'm, I swear on my mother's back that I won't do this. And we say words like that. Oh, no, Jesus is going to say, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Jesus clarifies there's no such thing as a phony vow. Jesus addressed these oaths in, in the Sermon on the Mount. That's the beginning of his ministry when he initially, right out of the chute, he just starts out and he talks to the Pharisees. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. Listen to what he says right out of the blocks to the Pharisees. Again, you have heard. He's talking to the crowd. Pharisees are in the crowd. You have heard it said to the people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem. That's the things they were swearing by. For it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus is saying very specifically, don't get caught up on your oaths. Now the question is, is there anything wrong with making a vow or an oath? And I have a qualifier here. Is swearing an oath wrong? Now come up on the screen. Taking an oath is not a sin. God takes an oath. Paul takes an oath. Jesus supports being put under oath. But God warns about breaking that oath or swearing by anything else. Folks, have the integrity to say, I don't have to swear on a stack of Bibles. I don't have to swear on my mother's back. I don't have to swear by the gold in the temple. I'm going to say, my word is true. You can trust it, and hopefully over time you have proven that your word is true. Keep your word. Keep the promises that you make. You honor God by keeping your word. Verse 23 and 24, those who are blind guides who have the wrong focus guarantees God's anger. Verse 23, woe he says it again. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Actually, there's eight woes in this section of Scripture in chapter 23. If you have something other than the King James or the New King James, you're going to have seven woes because the Alexandrian text, where some of this was copied from, it's not the majority text, which is the King James and the New King James, eliminates verse 14. So if you have a, a, a NIV, you're going to look at, for verse 14, it's not going to be there. No 14. That's the reason. It's a different translation from a different, different source. But woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. For you pay the tithe of mint. These are garden herbs. And anise and cumin. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And then he says this, loud and clear. Blind guides who strain out a little teeny gnat and swallow a great big giant camel. So, blind guides focus on their values, not God's values. That's what these Pharisees did all the time. That's what legalists do. That's what legalists do. Again, they have the wrong focus. They're focusing on the minutia. 
And he doesn't say that you shouldn't do the minutiae. He says you shouldn't emphasize that over the other things that are more significant. Jesus' focus was justice, mercy, and faith. Their focus was on the little things that they valued as important, the little teeny herbs and spices in the garden. Jesus' example is this, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. In Leviticus, you'll see that a gnat is the smallest unclean animal. A camel is one of the largest unclean animals. You're going to strain out the little teeny gnat and focus on that and miss the big giant camel that is your real issue. They taught the people to focus on the wrong point, their pet peeve, and they glazed over the major things. Folks, this guarantees God's anger. Now, we went through that fairly quickly, didn't we? Got closing thoughts. Now, this will take a little more time. And please, this will be time to zone in. Zone in. Come back. Woe to America. Remember, there's a condemnation. Woe is condemnation. Woe to America. And just, just remember, reminding you that Jesus strongly condemned the Pharisees, called them hypocrites and blind guides and fools, and that he didn't hold anything back. The Pharisees, as you know, were experts at intimidation, experts at mind control in their culture. If you did not do what they said exactly and precisely, what they bounced off of you over and over and over, you were extracted from the synagogue. You didn't have access to the temple. You would have lost your place in the culture. It would have been a disaster for you. The Pharisees focused on the 613 laws. Now, Hear this loud and clear. I'm going to suggest something to you. The Pharisees would throw intimidation bombs, bombard the minds of the people with untruths. Our world today, as you know, is bombarding you constantly with untruths. Like never in the history, we've been through this many, many times, like never in the history of the world. Now, you are disciples of Christ. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever he has placed you, you are to represent him. So you are disciples of Christ. You counter these untruths with truth bombs of God and his word. And I have this little bomb coming through. You hear, you hear some lie. You go, oh, you got, I get out my truth bomb. I'm going to give somebody, I'm going to bomb somebody with a truth. Now, when you're thinking about truth bombs, there's an attitude that is important to project. Truth bombs are not about us or you or we venting our frustrations. Truth bombs are all about getting someone to think about what they believe to be true. You just want somebody to think about what they're thinking. Most of the time, people just embrace something that is just, just, it just appeals to them. They like this. They like this thought. And they just embrace it. And we want them to examine the truth. Now, when you're thinking about the truth, I want you to really put this in your mind. Truth is not subjective. Now, we hear today in post-Christian America, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. You can have your truth. It's all the truth. That is not the truth. Just so you know that, it is not the truth. There is one standard for truth, and that standard has to be brought back to God. It has to be brought back to God. So, a disciple's truth bomb is not designed, now hear this loud and clear, 
It's not designed to degrade or belittle another person. We don't come to them with some superior attitude that I have all the answers. No, we come at them with, with reason. A truth bomb is designed to allow a person to think about what they are believing. Most, most people have not done the research. Most have adopted an idea that is pleasing to them. Most want to validate a lifestyle that is appealing to them. So they'll get all kinds of data from other people that want to live in that lifestyle to validate. Now, look, let me ask you this question. Does it matter that the majority believe in any, any wrong thing? Does that make it right? No. It, let's, let's try that again. Yeah. Everybody do what Maritza did. Okay, now get, get ready. Does it make any difference at all that the whole world embraces some untruth and wants you to believe that truth? And the answer is, no, it is not. Right, yes. Scripture clearly says what is going on. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. I think this has happened all through the epochs of time. But as we get closer to the end, this will mark the coming of Christ. This will mark the time that we're living in. For the time will come, like future he's talking about here. I think it's here now. When men will not put up with sound doctrine, they will not put up with it. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, internet speakers, YouTube people, Facebook people, to say what their itching ears want to hear, to validate their lifestyle. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. These are myths that they are believing. We are living in an age of unprecedented indoctrination. AI is a real thing. Artificial intelligence is a real deal that is impacting every person on the planet. Every person. It's unprecedented. The age of distorted truth, lies mixed with truth, the confusion is here today. Brain bombs are coming at you constantly. Believe this. Believe this. Believe this. You have to put it through the filter of what does God say about this. Don't embrace something because the majority are embracing it. Don't do that. It doesn't make a hoot what they say. Information overload is the norm today. If the brain is bombarded with information, or you know this because of Joseph Goebbels, in, in pre-World War II, he was the indoctrination czar that Hitler had working for him, indoctrinated a whole nation, that the whole nation embraced the Nazi truth that the Jews were animals and should be killed. And six million died because they bought into Hitler's truth. They were bombarded constantly with these lies. That's what's happening to you today. You're bombarded constantly. So there's internet bombs that come at you. There are professors in universities that will throw doubt bombs at you. There are now spiritual leaders that are throwing doubt bombs at you. You know, Oprah Winfrey was raised in a Christian home. And later in her life, she came to believe in many, many other religions and many, many other ways to God. She was influenced by a man named Deepak Chopra, or what is the guy's name? Deep. Deepak Chopra, and now comes to believe that there's literally millions of ways to God. You just have to find your own path to God. That's a lie. That's a lie because Jesus said there's one way to God, and that is through him. The truth is this. 
People will tend to believe what they want to believe, what appeals to their sinful nature. It's just how humans are. And, and I would suggest we've all been there some point. In some way, we've all been there. We must know that truth is truth, even when someone, even when everyone will not embrace the truth. Even if everyone around you denies the truth, truth is truth. You know, homosexual marriage is wrong. I don't care if the whole world embraces it. It is wrong. Transgenderism is wrong. It doesn't matter. We don't hate homosexuals because we don't buy into the lifestyle. Does that mean that we hate them? And actually, it's an expression of love when you're telling somebody the truth that would condemn them to an eternity of separation from God in hell. The greatest truth we can tell them is that God loves them, and that is an improper lifestyle. That'll get you a ticket, to, to, along with many other things, to hell. You must confess your sin, and you must believe in Jesus as your Savior. Unless one is born again, given new life, you can't see the truth. Why? Because in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of Christ. You won't see the light until Jesus comes into you and you go, oh, the bell goes off. This is the truth. Satan is an expert at blinding minds, and Jesus was exposing these Pharisees on truths. Now, you've heard this many times, many times from this pulpit. The battle today is for truth. The battle today is for your minds, your minds. Jesus was before Pilate, and this is hours before the crucifixion, and he's going to talk about truth. And Pilate, and he, and Pilate says, and to Pilate, Pilate will respond with these profound words. Watch what he says. Jesus says to Pilate, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate responds this way, what is truth? That was a good question. That's a profound question. And let me answer that for you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. There are not multiple roads. There's one road. It's welcoming. It's open to everyone, but it has to go through Jesus. But secondly, Jesus said, thy word is truth. In John 17, 17, you can trust the word of God. And number three, the helper, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth that you have in you the moment you believe. You can discern right and wrong. You have the Holy Spirit in you saying, this is right and this is wrong. I'm going to follow what the Spirit says, not what I'm feeling inside. Jesus to the Pharisees in John 8, talking about truth. Watch what he says. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is the god of this world system. Believe that. Jesus said two or three times in the book of John, the ruler of this age is coming. He has nothing on me. Hopefully he says that to you. You, you have that in your spirit. He has nothing on me. Satan controls the airways, the media, education, corporate America. His tentacles are into everything. It's in the universities. It's in everything. Satan has entered the so-called church with lies and untruths. 
And again, those untruths are gay marriage, transgenderism, women's reproductive rights in order to give you the right to kill your baby and that sort of thing. These are lies. These are lies. Satan wants your mind. Satan wants your children's minds. And today, there's an all-out assault on children's minds. We saw this picture before, Transgender Indoctrination Hour. This happens to be a library. Remember, we had a picture last time of a church where Miss Pentecost, taking off the feast day of Pentecost, how blasphemous. This is a library. Look at these kids. They're totally enamored with this transgender person. This is cool. This is fun. This is indoctrinating these children's minds that this is okay. I want to be just like this. That's exactly what this is saying to them. It's giving an okay to explore any perverted thing that comes into your mind. Now, let me say this loud and well, I, I, I've been saying it loud and clear, but more loud and clear. A boy is a boy. A girl is a girl, no matter how you look at it. Uh, people today are identifying many different ways. A cat, a dog, a horse. I saw a young girl this past week or two walking down the road where we live with angel's wings on, with someone walking behind her, making sure she's okay. She's identifying as an angel. Looks like they're embracing that. The greatest form of cruelty, the greatest form of child abuse I think that there is, is and the most unloving thing you can do is to validate some false belief system validated in a confused child's life. Now, let me ask you this question. What's behind all the madness? What's behind all the madness, the insanity, the madness? God said to the nation of Israel these words, and he warned them in the book of Deuteronomy, if you depart from me, this will happen to you. If you abandon me, do not obey me, the follow, follow the gods of this world, the consequences will be, Deuteronomy 28, 28. The Lord will strike you, nation of Israel. Just extrapolate from that what he does to other nations who just abandon him. I will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. That is what we see in America today. We see the maddening and blinding of a whole culture of people. And people are marching like lemons in lockstep right towards the cliff to fall off. That is what is happening today. Sad but true. I call this judgment. This is what we are experiencing today in America is the judgment, I believe, the judgment of God. The judgment of God. Romans 1.28 is phase three of judicial hardening. God gave them over to a debased mind. Uh, anything goes mind to do the things that were not fitting. Insanity, folks, has entered the room, has entered the room, calling good evil and evil good. Now, I want you to think about the last couple years. Think about law and order in America. Random attack on stores by masses of young people, stealing with impunity and prosecutors turning a blind eye. And then they have peaceful protests in the streets that are riots, are riots, where the police are handcuffed instead of the thieves. Folks, this is madness. This is madness. 
Isaiah 59, 14 and 15 says this. Now, look, at this is a profound word from a prophet warning the people what they're going to experience, what they are experiencing as they've walked away from God. This is the New Living Translation. Watch what it says. Our courts oppose the righteous. Now, that is happening today. And justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets. Honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Now, do you see that happening today? Anyone who renounces, anyone who stands against this, this wave of homosexuality, this wave of transgenderism, this wave of the right to kill your baby, oh man, you are held in, 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 in contempt by the culture, by the culture. And again, we do not hate homosexuals. We do not hate transgenders. We do not hate folks that have had abortions. We pray for them. We want them to come out of those lifestyles. This is just sin. We all have our own sin. We all have our own litany of sin. We can't qualify theirs as being worse than ours, but we're just not acknowledging ours as being great and wonderful and terrific. I don't consider lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly some cool thing to do. That's, you know, that's, that's the list that Jesus gave in Scripture. I can identify with all those. I'm struggling against those things. That's what I suggest we do. When a nation abandons the true God, False gods pour in with their values and madness ensues. What are these gods doing? I've just mentioned it several times. They are attacking God's standard for the home with gay marriage. And I want to suggest to you there's no such thing as gay marriage. They're attacking God's standard for gender roles. In the beginning, God made them male and female, and they're attacking that in the beginning. The masculinization of women and the feminizing of men. We have, we're attacking God's standard for life with abortion. And just for your information, there was an article published in Men's Health, September 2022. It's a report from the Cleveland Clinic saying what has happened to the American male. Lifestyle choices contribute to low testosterone. Testosterone is the male sex hormone that gives you the aggression, that gives you the push for life. Uh, that gives you a sexual uh, libido, a sexual drive, that sort of thing. Now, notice what happens. When weight goes up, testosterone goes down. Think of young boys. Physical activity goes down, testosterone goes down. Poor diets, poor sleep, excessive drinking, environmental toxins, all decrease testosterone. Now, think about the lifestyles of young men today. Now, I don't know about you and when you were raised. But when I was raised, you actually could see kids wrestling in the yard. The parents weren't going, don't wrestle, Joey. That's too dangerous. No, we were wrestling. We're tearing each other's head off. We're trying to, you know, <laughs> we're playing. That was play for us. You know, we're climbing trees. We're playing football in the yard. Now you have to, this all has to be structured. And you have a few elite athletes that participate, and the general population is out of it, not involved at all. You play iron horses, you get somebody on your back and you crash it into the other guy trying to tear the other guy down. This was kid play. This is what we did. They don't do that anymore. Look in your neighborhoods. How many pickup games do you see going? How many kids are playing pom-pom? How many kids are playing Red Rover? How many kids are playing Crack the Whip? We can't do that anymore. It's too dangerous. He's going to fly off into the woods. You know, we have that type of attitude today. So where do you have the kids today? In the basement? 
That's what you have going on. That's what is going on. Folks, Satan is a truth stealer. He's an expert at false truth. What about the diet of kids? How many kids are raised on McDonald's? That's not a good diet. Now, you might be able to get something good in there, but man, when you're smelling the Big Mac and you want to get something that's chickeny or something that's a salady, no, no, you're going to go for the Big Mac. If you're a kid, Satan is a stealer. He is an expert at deception, doubt, disillusionment, disappointment, and destruction. And the attack point is your mind. Now, what does all this mean to me in the next two minutes? We have the Holy Spirit. Don't fall for cultural indoctrination of what they are saying is right and wrong. You know what is right and wrong because you have in your possession the Word of God. Use it, read it, and know what God wants you to do. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Your marching orders are this. Guard, battle, resist. Let me say that again. Three words. Guard, battle, resist. Guard what you allow into your minds. There's a mind control thing that's going on. You cannot watch a television program today from, I don't know when it was, but I don't even try to watch a sitcom, any type of drama in 2023 because every single one has immorality, homosexuality, all kinds of perversion in it. You just can't watch it. There's just nothing that you can get into. Guard your mind. And secondly, battle for the truth. Don't give up. Stay in the battle and stay together in the battle. And number three, resist. By all means, never give in. I don't care what kind of arguments they are bringing, how articulate they are, all of their degrees and all the pontification that they bring. If it's contrary to the Word of God, I will not embrace it. Resist the devil. Resist his schemes. Resist his mind games. Resist indoctrination. And by the way, if I had more time, I'd give you your weapons. The armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Put on the whole armor of God, men and women of God. You have power to resist what's going on. You have power to, to resist the devil and his schemes. You have power to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ and tell the truth. Number two, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You don't have to embrace every thought. You you. You measure it with the Word of God, and if it doesn't meet that, that test, you don't allow it to take root in your mind. And number three, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. We are living in an age that is attempting to keep the truth of God from the population. It's an all-out effort. The fix is in, folks. I don't know if you know this, but you, I think you know it because you've been coming here long enough. The fix is in. Every major component of society is involved. And our kids now are the main target. Hitler said, if you get the kids, you get the next generation. You control their minds. We're in post-Christian America. The fix is in. It's in an education, religion, business, government, military, arts, entertainment, media. All of these are in on the scheme. Toyota's in on it. All these entities are in on it. I was shocked. All these entities are affected with godlessness and people keep, keeping people from the true God. I believe we are living out the following statement. I believe this is to be true in America today. It's judgment. Those who keep people from the truth of God guarantees God's anger. We are, folks, in this nation on the wrong side of God. 
There's been a volitional choice to choose against the God of heaven and follow the gods of the world. Brothers and sisters, settle this. Settle this in your mind. You will not be liked. Now, folks, this, this will happen in your work. This will happen on your team. This will happen in your families as a struggle for the mind goes. Settle this. You will not be liked by our mad, blind, confused of heart culture. Settle it. We have been given our marching orders. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 could not be more clear. As we have been approved by God, that is dokimos, genuine by God, tested and proven, faithful. As we have been approved by God, entrusted with the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus died, was buried, rose again from the dead. If you believe that, you can be saved and come out of the madness and come into sanity. And we've been entrusted with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Are we going to have fidelity to God or fidelity to the masses? We are in the minority, yet with God you are a victor. You are an overcomer. And by the way, with the Holy Spirit, rod of iron up your spine, you will not shrink back. Nevertheless, there's a scripture in 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. God knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must, must turn away from wickedness. If you are a man or a woman of God, you must change the way that you're living. You are representing the Lord Jesus Christ to your family, to the culture, to everyone you come in contact with. We must speak the truth and love while we can. We are the Holy Spirit-filled church, the restrainer who is still restraining. We're still restraining. There's still a remnant that is faithful. People are resisting, folks. Join the resistance and stand for the truth. And I would say this, and maybe you're feeling this right now along with me, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Save us, Lord Jesus, from this madness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to study your word. I know this was a little heavy today, Lord, but I just ask that you speak to each one of our hearts. I pray that people will be all in with you. I pray that if someone does not know you as their Savior today, or if someone's been doing tippy-toe Christianity, kind of half in, half out, don't know if I'm in, don't know if I'm out, that today is the day they say, I'm all in, Lord. I'm all in. I want to be in your family. It's really this simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Commit to him, put your trust in him, believe that he died on the cross for you, and you too can be in the family of God. You can exit the madness and enter the sanity. Thank you for this time together, Lord. Speak to each heart here. You know where we are, Lord. You know where we are. If someone does not know you, I pray that they'd be saved today in the name of Jesus. If they've been dabbling, if they've got issues and struggles, that they've been falling here, there, today's the day, no more. I'm walking in the truth. I'm walking through the power of the Spirit. Lord, help each one of us on this journey. May we be all out for you. In Jesus' name, amen.